0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's the Mean Green Nation podcast. Welcome to it. It's another Sunday morning. Um, you know, I feel good. I had a nice cup of coffee in my Mean Green Nation coffee cup. Yes, I have one of those. I think I shared that with you guys before. Let me take a sip. Mmm. Tasty. Now, I'm in a good mood. You know, like like I said yesterday, I had... Uh, I had a good breakfast, you know, a little French toast, and people are interested, uh, some blackberries, and um, some sausage, and then, spur the moment kind of thing, me and the family went downtown, and we ended up at a restaurant, you know, just kind of walking, and uh, yeah, we ended up having like brunch again, so it was like two breakfasts in a day, which is twice as nice, totally recommend it, do it folks. Um so that's how I you know assuaged the pain a little bit uh the pain that we saw in a 42 to 7 halftime deficit you know and a 49 to 21 ultimate final score uh it was it as a classic situation where North Texas you know, like, the, if you look at the box score at the end of the game, you're like, well, maybe it wasn't so bad. You know, there was a little offense at the end. You know, how about them running backs running up and down the field? Maybe if we harness a little of that, you know, you start talking yourself into, you know, a better result than what was on the field. And, you know, I, I think I'm I'm a fan of taking the whole game holistically. There's a reason why, like, coaches like to watch film the next day couple days after, you give it a little room to breathe, watch it with a cool eye. Um, the fact is that North Texas got dominated in this game pretty much start to finish, but uh, it was especially stark in the first quarter when North Texas was down 14 nothing again. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I think I, I blocked this little number, the actual stat out of my brain, uh, you know, a little self-preservation kind of thing. But it was in another one of these games where we're down double digits to start a, a game again that I asked the internet, like, how many times has this happened? And I think somebody came up with a number, and I forget what it was, but they all kind of run together, right? It seem, seemingly every week North Texas is down a couple scores. And to me, that's indicative of an unprepared team. Um, you know, we're not really ready to play and you can tell because we, uh, we're down 14, right? let start the game. So in this one, again, down 14, Marshall ended the first quarter, 161 yards to our eight. They, uh, you know, we, we stopped their run a little bit, but we couldn't run even more or even we ran even less, right? Uh, seven times 4.4 4 yards, first quarter stats. Um, you know, three total yards is what it was. 35 for them they were enforcing themselves right you know like they were they were doing what they needed to do we got 10 first downs we got the one it was pretty bad right second quarter 28 to 7 this is when they really blew it open uh this quarter north texas moved the ball a little bit there was the 175 yard run but that was it right take 75 yards away from the 124 ish uh it's still nothing right it's basically north texas not doing anything um you know in that's total first half, three hundred and forty eight yards for Marshall, one hundred and thirty two for us. The most important number was forty two points for them, just the seven for us. And it could have been worse. They could have intercepted the ball. Like well, they did intercept the ball. And they could have taken it all the way back, but instead the guy got down. He had mercy. Uh, you know, thank that guy. The third quarter, North Texas actually outgained Marshall, one twenty to fifty three, but there was no scores. Right. It was North Texas trying to you know, uh, go for it on fourth down uh, a few times. What was it, like uh, three times in that quarter? Oh uh, for 3 in that one, in case you were wondering. 30 total plays in that one to, uh, well, uh, to the 12 for Marshall. Didn't really do anything. Uh, you know, long story short, just complete domination. Again, fourth quarter, North Texas scored 14. We actually beat them 14-7 to 7 in the fourth quarter one hundred and fifty nine yards, but it didn't matter at that point, right. The game was over, I think as a friend and um you know uh, friend of the show, Mr. Greg godecker tweeted uh everything after this is just you know um garbage time garbage stats, and I think he said that like when it was like twenty eight seven and he was right uh at that point, you're down so much that unless you just demonstrate a supreme ability to execute all of a sudden after ha- having not done so up to that point. Um, we're just kind of playing out the strength. And for too often, we've done that, right? It's not just us tweeting and Mean Green fans. I think Pete Thamel of the uh, was it Yahoo or something. I forget what he works for now. But uh, he was out. He saw, like, man, 427. Uh, hey, you know what? North Texas is a great job. Here, read my article about how good of a job it could be. Um, yeah, I think the writing's on the wall for Seth Luttrell. And there was some discussion, like, you know, you can't change my mind. Guy's a good coach. Cool. I mean, he's obviously done some good things. I don't think that the overall era for North Texas is bad uh, under Seth Luttrell. He got us to four or five bowl, game, bowl games, whatever they were, right, which is an improvement over the previous uh, regime. Uh, he didn't win one, though. And that was always a mark, right? We, Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to eulogize his career just yet or his career here at North Texas just yet because it's not over, but we've said a version of this thing a few times, right? What are the good things? Um, he got North Texas winning two-time, two, two nine-win seasons. Um, he got us to the conference championship game, which means you win the West, win the division. That's an accomplishment. Um, he got – he set a, a ton of records, offensive records, right? Uh, Mason Fine uh, is the all-time leading passer. Um, you know, it just combine that with some of our expectations, I think I tweeted out prior to uh, his arrival and that kind of thing when we thought it was going to be like Alec Morris. I was like, what kind of season can we expect? What kind of career? Uh, You know, I was like, look, North Texas hasn't really had a whole lot of uh, major passing uh, offenses here uh, in, like, the last 30 years or something like that. So we should expect a lot of records to fall, and that's what happened. Right. Uh, Mason fine set a ton of records. Um, Seth offense offenses set a ton of records. And, you know, we, we wanted talent to get in here. Somebody to identify some talent and score, score some points, compete with modern offenses, play some modern football. And he did that. He brought all of that in. It was done. North Texas was competitive. I tweeted a lot, a lot that, uh, and I've written and, and spoke on his podcast, uh, that, essentially the the major things that we want from a quarterback or from a sorry from a head coach uh, from a program at this level is not we don't need dynasty era kind of things. we just need com- competition right being competitive and that you know we have some questions like what does that mean how we define competitive to me it means that every three or four years you seriously compete for a league title, right? And that depends on what other teams are doing, you know, like say this year. Uh UAB is favored to win again, but you got UTSA looking scary, right? They're like 7 and 0 and they might be ranked, I think the coaches poll came out as of this recording and uh you know, the coaches have uh, have them ranked 25th. So, you know, like it, it's between those two teams. I think that's for both of those teams you can say hey, we're competing this year, right? It's fun for the fans. You get to get caught up in the drama. You get to enjoy the season, at least this part of the season. And if it comes down to one game, one possession against a good team, that's what you want, right? You want that heightened drama uh, where the games mean something, right? I'm not one of the people that's like, oh, every game needs to be a a 50 to nothing blowout or else, you know, it's not fun. You know, yes, you want some growth in your program, uh, some development, but. You want to seriously compete every three or four years, and why every three or four years? Well, because that's that's about the time where you can get some under recruited guys and develop them into the starters that you want you know build a pipeline where they just kind of blossom uh and you should have seniors throughout your program, seniors with experience you know that have been in your program and get to show what they're all about right That is the idea every three or four years that should happen where you're a serious competitor. Uh, And everywhere else, maybe you have some talent. Uh, Maybe you're just kind of halfway there, maybe a halfway team. There's nothing really wrong with that, where you're like, oh, you know, they got a young quarterback, but they got a good defense, and, you know, if everything kind of falls into place. But they are relying on the young quarterback or something like that. That's understandable, right? Uh, But, you know, that quarterback's going to develop, and he's going to get a little bit better, this, that, and the other, that kind of thing, right? You look at North Texas when we had – Mason find that first year. Obviously, he was pretty bi- pretty poor. Uh, second year, that's when we got to the conference title game. And uh, everybody was feeling real good about the future. Third year, that North Texas team was very good. And I would consider that team to be a, a competitive team. I think that was the year where they had only trailed like for 10 minutes all season or something like that. Um, they did drop a-, a tough game to Louisiana Tech at home right and then they did lose a tough game to UAB and you know we can start to speak about some of the negatives of Seth Trotter's time here uh when we start talking about those things uh one thing that was kind of evident right once the team was kind of built up right broad strokes get some talent in start doing the little things right and you know wins start coming you turn from a 1 and 11 team to a you know five win team to a nine win team, but then you start to see that you know the difference between one to five is uh, you know one thing, but then the difference from nine to ten, nine to eleven that means you're beating the good teams. That means you're beating uh, a team prepared for you, right? You're in a bowl game against a team that also won nine games and also takes care of the little things and also has talent. Uh, you're playing in the conference title game against a really good coach who is turning, you know, his uh, underprepared team full of talent into a prepared team full of talent. And, of course, I'm talking about, you know, Troy, uh, Army, FAU uh, a couple times. Um, That's the, you know, like UAB even, right? That's the time when you get to see whether or not your coach is ready to do the next level type things, right? And it always seemed like Seth Luttrell was not able to get that kind of quality out of his program, uh, to like a, a major extent, right? To a like a disconcerting extent. North Texas looked like they didn't belong on the field in the conference title game in 2017. I was at a watching party, and everybody was kind of sitting there like, "Well, this is terrible," and we, you know, reasonably considered it like, "Look." They were just not ready for UAB, I mean, for FAU. They're just not, you know, they're supremely talented. That FAU team was destroying everybody else. So you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is not something that we can, you know, worry about. Uh, We'll get them next year, right? Everybody's young. We'll be fine. Um, And they get destroyed by, uh, was it Troy that season in the bowl game? Uh, Same kind of deal. You start to see, like, well, is it just talent? Do they just have to get more talent in there? Is it preparation? What What is the difference? And I would say it doesn't matter the difference because that's the coach's job to make up for the difference, right? They know whether or not the offensive line can compete with that defensive line, right? So they should game plan as such. They know whether or not their talent uh, can match up man for man for everybody else. So you should game plan as such. Now, that's not to say that they're... That any amount of talent can be overcome with superior coaching. But you want to give your team a chance. Typically you see, you know, hey, well, this team's looking real clever. Then they made adjustments and then you start to see that the Johnnies and Joes did the the difference in the second half, right? You can live with that. That's fine, right? We never really saw that with North Texas. As I mentioned, there's a lot of man getting smacked in the mouth early and often. Down 14-0. 21-0, down twenty one nothing. Down ten oh. Um and then as SMU started to turn around with Sonny Dykes, a guy who's I have to say like someone we can point to and say that is a that's a decent level to aspire to, right? Is a Sonny Dykes type coach. He coaches offense, he's known for his lack of defense, even when he was at tech, at Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, at Cal, same kind of deal. And at SMU, he's gotten his talent in there. they scored a lot of points. They haven't been super amazing, but, you know, they found their level. Uh, And they've certainly been better than North Texas, at the very least. So that's where we are, right, is that Marshall, very beatable, right? Um, You know, they're not a perfect team, I was saying, and probably drank too much green Kool-Aid. They're not a perfect team. They they turn the ball over a ton, and they they uh, are vulnerable to being run upon. And you saw a little bit of that a little bit of that with North Texas, you know, uh, running for like 200 and something yards. I forget what the final total was. Let me take a look at it. Rush yards, yeah. North Texas ran for 277. That seems good, but they didn't run for those those 277 when it mattered. You know, they were down uh what is it 14 already or down 21. Already when they, they scored the first one, whatever it was. Let me look so I don't sound crazy. Uh, no, we're down 35. Jeez, I'm already forgetting. Uh, and, you know, not having a great defense, that is, you know, that's a weakness that happens. Uh, you look over there, West Kentucky has a terrible defense right now. And that's going to hold them back from winning anything. Uh, that probably held them back from upsetting. Uh, well, not, it was not even an upset. I think Western Kentucky was favorite. From it's gonna hold them back from winning the the East Division. They have a a great quarterback, the guy from Houston Baptist that tore us up last season for four hundred five hundred yards, whatever it was, and like three of the receivers and their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, and, and I think that that frustrates me the most right now. Is that that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of talent that should be at North Texas. You know, there's no reason for Bailey Zappi to go off to western kentucky for uh what is it uh kitley could Kit, uh to leave and go do that north texas was looking for some offensive coordination um you know and i'm sure they're like yeah well we got 500 yards you know everything was great everything was amazing last year for us but it wasn't right we saw it we knew it there was a lot of empty calorie yards and i felt like they were just saying you know what we can still coach up aussanoni and now that we got jace ruder We'll be fine. Like, that, that was the only thing missing, was the Jace Ruder-type talent. Um, get them both, right? Call up Jace Ruder. Say, yeah, come over here. You can compete. Um, because what we're saying is that Austin Ani, in a pinch, could get in there and win us a league title or, you know, throw for three, four, five hundred 500 yards. I didn't really see that. And you might as well bring somebody else in just to compete with him, right? Let him prove it. Make everybody better by making him compete. Um, you know, I don't know what was promised to uh Bailey Zappi. I don't know exactly what happened. I know Tyson Helton reached out to Kitley, is Zach Kitley I think it is, and he had him come over. Um, you know, Seth Lutrell has some Texas tech te- ties. I don't see why he did maybe he did, maybe he didn't got turned down. I don't know. But I, I feel like the results are are what matters, right? Uh recruiting is important, yes, getting players but also getting coaches in here. And that if there's one thing that we've seen in this post-Mason Fine era is that we could use an improvement in the QB coaching arena. Yeah? Um, You know, North Texas has the worst set of quarterbacks, statistically speaking, in the league right now. Um, You know, they're yo-yoing back and forth between a couple of guys. Bench Donnie in this one. Brought out Reuter. I mean, some of that was just to do some cleanup work. But, I mean, you know, nobody really looks at either of these guys and says, yeah, this this is the dude. Asanani, who had a good fourth quarter against Missouri last week, was 16 of 30 for 121 yards and an interception. A terrible interception. And, uh, you know, that's not going to cut it. Again, North Texas, worst quarterback offenses uh, offensive play in the, in the in the league right now and just about the nation. And, you know, it's one thing to have your defense be historically terrible, like the way North Texas defense was in 2020. Uh, it is quite another for the offense, your calling card, to be awful, you know? That is like if Mike Leach's teams were awful. You'd be like, well, what do we even hire this guy for? I thought we hired him for the air raid. Right, it'd be like if Chip Kelly's teams were awful offensively, and they were, and everybody was kind of getting upset about it. Um, you need to do the thing for which you are hired, and um, you know it's not happening right now. So that that's the most concerning part, South Dakota. What's what's happening here? Why is North Texas terrible offensively? Aren't you an offensive guy? Weren't you calling the plays last year? Weren't you? Didn't you say you can find the guys that are, that can go and compete? Uh, and can do the deal uh, what happened to that we saw it happen it's, it's not like it wasn't there right before um you know Alec Morris had a little talent uh Mason fine had a, a ton of talent um you can see what asanaani sort of has there you can sort of see jace Reuter, you know uh confidence this you know he has an arm that kind of thing I think that even Mason fine looked uncomfortable that Fourth year here, uh, I think there's something about this new vertical passing game that is making our guys uncomfortable, and I don't know that our coaching staff is able to make them comfortable in their reads uh I don't know that you want to have an offense that you can only be run by a superior NFL ready quarterback because we don't have a whole lot of those unless you just have a pipeline of those dudes ready to go so you know again. I don't have all the answers, right? And if I did, I'd charge a million dollars and uh, you know, I'd do it. Um it was it was not a good look for Seth Luttrell to have uh this week USAA to publish their uh, uh annual coaching salary database. Uh because, you know, he's he gets to add the tagline highest paid coach in the league getting stomped forty two to seven. At halftime. Highest paid coach in the league is 1-5 this season. Highest pay- paid coach in the league is uh, on his third straight losing season. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. So that's where we are. Oh, you know, I, I did all this talking. And I didn't mention that Aldo is out today. He's uh, feeling sick. I think he's just voice is, he can't speak. And uh, maybe his wife says that's probably a good thing, right? I don't know. But, yeah, that's why he's not on the show. Um, you know, like the super secret Ming Green Nation uh, Slack here is down on Latrell. Is down on the program. Um, you know, looking at. I think all all the conversation is when is Ren Baker going to make the decision, right? When is he going to uh, pull the trigger and fire Seth Latrell and hire a new guy? I don't think that's an easy question um, to answer. Uh, given his track record, right, uh, if you're a follower of Mean Green Basketball, which is uh, I'm excited about, by the way. We're going to have a podcast about it, um, and we're going to do a season preview on him. Uh, I'm excited about the team. You know, reigning conference champs, uh, you know, won a first-round game. Good stuff happening there. So, Ren Baker has an eye for basketball talent. That's a caveat there, right? We know that he can. I think he coached basketball or something like that. He he has a background in basketball, and I think he just knows a good basketball coach, right? Uh, Grant McGaslin uh, was a winning coach uh, when he was at Arkansas State, and he was poached there. Um, I don't think Arkansas State liked him, and I don't think he liked Arkansas State, like the, the area and all that other good stuff. And so, you know, he was kind of happy to move on. Um, you know, Ren Baker had him on his radar, hired him, you know, good things have the, uh, followed, but the last year of Tony Benford's uh, contract it was played out, you know everybody could see, probably even Loren Baker, that the Mean Green basketball program was in a bad way under Benford, and yet he stuck with him and yet he let him play out the string, right it is financially prudent to do so, that you know, there there is a lot of uh, a lot to the fact that Firing a coach midseason creates turmoil, right, for the existing coaching staff because they're all going to think, like, well, am I going to get a shot at this? I guess an interim coach or what? It takes everybody's eyes off the prize, right? Players, recruiting, uh, you know, staff. And, you know, it's also expensive. We're going to pay Seth Luttrell to go sit, I don't know, at home, watch Oklahoma football. Instead, let's pay him to you know keep preparing this program here. Now you're like, well, you know he's not really doing much, whatever, what have you. I think that uh, you wait till the end of the season at the very least, uh, the end of his contract at worst, and uh, you see what you have, right? Um, See what's out there. Right now, I don't know that there's a very obvious name. I don't know that there's anybody that's gonna do. a better job immediately uh you know like with any coach especially at this level it's difficult to project to predict the future right uh and best case scenario is something like even Arkansas State which had four straight coaches you know uh win but then get poached to go somewhere else right uh you always have to be prepared to have your coach leave and in like Ren Baker's defense, Seth Luttrell was getting courted, and they were doing their best to kind of be ready to be financially compensated for it. And I think that's a, that was a lot of the reason he got extended, and his buyout was raised, and a lot of that was like, look, Seth Luttrell is obviously doing a good job at the time, right? Nine couple nine one seasons, um, and he's going to get poached. He talked with Kansas State. I think he talked with Mississippi State, and ultimately he decided to stay but the feeling was well when he goes let's make sure we get a little cash for it so we're not sitting here broke and then we can pay whatever we need to pay to hire the next guy right uh, again financially prudent um, now it's a two-way two-way street right now we're tied and we fire this guy it's gonna cost us a pretty penny a prettier penny than it would have cost if we hadn't raised him up. Now, again, he earned it. He earned his little protection. He earned it. Uh, he, he won his nine games. Uh, he got the program excited. Lest we forget, North Texas in the 2019 season, I think, set the attendance record twice, right? Things were going very good. Um, People were excited. As 2018 said it twice, and I think 2019 was bad or something like that. I forget. It's kind of running together now. But you see my point. North Texas was doing good. Then they started doing bad. And, you know, like for all the I told you so kind of guys that oh, I knew he wasn't good I knew he wasn't going to be the guy. Sure. I mean, you know, he won nine games and you're saying he could have won 10. I think that here at Mean Green Nation, we try to be reasonable about it, right? And say, well, what do we know? We know that he's developing talent, that he can identify talent. When he got um, Jalen Darden, we were excited about him. We're like, this is... Uh, well, a couple things about that, right? He got Jalen Darden, and then he got like uh, I can't the guy with three names, um, and then he got uh, another dude, like just three guys that were gonna be potential slot receivers that were supposed to be dangerous for us, right? And the nature of these things is that you're probably gonna hit on like one out of three, and that's really all you need, right? Jalen, Dar- you don't need more than one Jalen Darden when you have a Jalen Darden, although that would be nice. Um, and he hit on the Jalen Darden and, you know, the hope was that he'd hit on at least another one, right? Have another one ready to go. Uh, for the most part, North Texas had a, a nice little streak there, right? We had, uh, I think Guyton was a previous regime, but he, he developed, uh, Turner Smiley. He got, uh, uh, you know, Guyton, Rico Boosie, Jalen Darden, and then in between, you know, um. He got some guys like walk-on dudes, turned them into productive receivers. Things are going good. Guys, there were some guys that didn't pan out. Um, like the dude was it Greg White, didn't really pan out. Transferred. Uh, a couple guys just transferred. Just didn't really get the reps that that they wanted or the production that we wanted, and so they left. Right, that that happens. Um, it looked like Deontay Simpson was going to be the next. Right, he was doing some really good things last year. Uh, Jair Shorter was awesome until he got injured. Um, he was developing. And then Tommy Bush was the guy that we chased, left to Georgia, left Georgia, came here, looked really good until he broke his leg, right? So misfortune can happen. Um, you know, same kind of deal with uh um, you know, the the running back situation. When they signed DeAndre Torrey, we were excited about him as like a a like a third option, a guy to break it open, and the the dudes around him were supposed to be carrying the ball a little bit, carrying the load, and it looked kind of stacked there. Trey Sager's leaves, it goes SMU, oh, tisk tisk tisk. But apparently, he always loved SMU or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, the the running back room depth chart thinned out by injury and by transfer. And the only guy left is DeAndre Torre. But that's a guy they signed, they identified. We were excited about him. Um, you know, you can give him credit for DeAndre Tory. The guys on this team, they're talented. They have talent in a lot of different places. And they were recruited by his staff, um, including a couple NFLers, right? Uh, Ladarius Hamilton, um, you know, like Jalen Darden, I already mentioned him. Keimon Hall uh, for, a while, for a while there. Nate Brooks is out there in the NFL doing his thing. Talent is there, um, you know, good enough to compete. Give them full credit for that. Um, but you got to keep doing it, right? You can't stop. You can't stop recruiting. They are maybe hit a patch of bad luck. To me, the biggest issue is that they they kind of blinked. So um, what I'm trying to lead into is this uh, um, this tweet. Do I have the tweet in front of me? Let me check the Twitters Of course you can find me at Mean Green Nation dot On Twitter At Mean Green Nation uh, As everybody says So I'm looking uh, Somebody's saying Yeah It was uh, Jeff Morgan One On the Twitter Saying Compare Luttrell With Harrell Versus uh, Without Harrell And the difference in the record Is quite stark Yeah that, That's something that Uh you know, I think we've all kind of made a point of the line of demarcation was that season in which Latrell was being recruited to join uh, Mac Brown in uh, in uh, North Carolina, and then he ultimately went to USC, right? I think at the little air raid over there in USC. Uh, it's all, you know, sort of a wash for him. Like Harold hasn't really shown so brightly over there at USC. That, you know, everybody's like, wow, this guy's doing amazing. We've got to hire him, that kind of thing. Um, I think that Luttrell, he was saying he had some differences with, with Graham anyway, and that he wanted to have more of a vertical game. Right? There, there are some differences in opinion about how to attack the defense. Luttrell, for the most part, I'm, I'm simplifying this a great deal. He wanted to have what you see now more of a power run um, vertical downfield attack. There's nothing really wrong with this. You know, I call it like the Baylor style thing. A lot of programs are using it like really RPO heavy, like anything that works, teams are adapting it, making use of it, uh, and turning it into, you know, their stuff, right? Like, just like the air raid offense, there was a lot of concepts in there that have been taken and are, are now standard in, in a spread kind of passing first, even NFL type offenses, right? Nothing is really new. Anything that's kind of good gets quickly absorbed by the football minds and put to use and remixed and that kind of thing because they're always looking for an advantage over the defense and the defenses are always looking to figure out how to stop whatever it was. If you got the air raid offense uh, playbook from 99, a lot of it's largely the same, but they're not going to be as effective because they're not going against you know, 1999 defenses now. They're ready for it. They've seen it in high school in Pee Wee and whatever, and they're ready to defend that a lot better than they were before. So, um, you know, air raid type guys, Leach, um, uh, uh, Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley at, at Oklahoma, Holgerson, those kind of dudes, they've all adapted what, you know, used to be the standard kind of offense, and they've improved and I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve Uh, so, you know, there's nothing really remarkable about, you know, what Latrell did. He, uh, he was trying to, you know, make a leap. He saw what was good. He saw what Florida Atlantic was doing and he adapted it and said, let's, let's turn that into something else. Right. Um, you know, I talked to, I talked to Lane Kiffin at at media days before and, uh, you know, I was kind of asking him like, what's. What makes a good play caller? Right? I think he just hired uh, Kid Bryles at FAU, and he was he was going on and on saying like he thinks that it's basically just like a feel for the game. It's also preparation, but some of it's feel, and just kind of like an art and that kind of thing. Um, anyway, it just reminded me of it. I think what we what we saw was that Latrell wanted to do more of a downfield attack. He felt like you know the typical air raid is a little bit more dink and dunk, right? Uh, it Just by, I, I don't want to say like habit, or just kind of by practical result, right? Like when you spread the defense horizontally and you're trying to spread them vertically, what happens is that the defense is going to give you horizontal openings more than they're going to give you vertical openings. And so it can be that you're just dinking and dunking your way down the field. But as we've seen with, like, the uh, uh, Western Kentucky offense, that still means that you have an explosive offense, right? There are ways to turn that into something. And just like a good running game where uh, you're getting four or five yards all the time, eventually the defense is going to get tired of giving up four and five yards, and they're going to step up, and that's when you hit them with something else. Um, With this offense, the North Texas offense, there's a lot of we're going to take – you know what's available to us but we're gonna run the ball right we're going to do power runs and then when you step up we're gonna hit you with an RPO we're gonna hit you deep with some receivers that are talented and can get behind you and you know you saw last year that when that works that's dangerous when you got a guy like Jalen Darden um, who can get open against almost anybody and then who has it's very dangerous after the catch that's very dangerous for your offense right So they have to account for him. That opens up the run game, and then, you know, everything sort of stems from there. It's all working. It's all flowing. This season, we haven't had that same kind of threat from the wide receiver position, not only because receivers have been injured, but because the quarterback play has been terrible. And so defenses are a little bit more comfortable saying, you know what? Let's see if they can run DeAndre Torrey 35 times into the line, and we'll see what happens, right? Eventually they're gonna throw it, and we're, that's where we're gonna take full advantage. And I mean, we we saw that there was bad throws from Uh He's not reading the defense as well. He gets a little panicked too quickly. Um, first snap of the game was a bad snap. That's been an issue. It was something uh, of an issue against SMU. Just a lot of problems, right? A lot of things that are coaching, that are technique, that uh, you know, where it's not all syncing together. And again. There's only so much I think that you can point to the players like, well, that guy just sucks. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. He's not as good as we need him to be. Where's Where do you come in here, coach, right? Aren't you coaching him up every week? And, uh, you know, some the Charles said, he kind of mentioned, he's like, oh, I hate it. it sickens me that we're an undisciplined team. I mean, this is part of our core values. So I'm obviously doing something wrong, a poor job of communicating that. And the answer is yes, right? That Yeah. yeah. It's a if you could just walk into a locker room and say, guys, we're gonna try to win and uh we don't we don't wanna lose, okay? We just uh we want to score points, we don't want to allow points, right? It's easy to say, right? How? How do you get to that? How do you execute that? What are the steps? How do I make sure that I'm I'm taking the right steps with the right techniques and the right mentality so that way the end result is, you know, um wins losses uh wins getting wins avoiding losses getting scores avoiding getting scored upon right and in the cl- in the case of being disciplined right how am i being mentally prepared how am i being coached tell me you know like what what are the things that 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 you're doing as a coach to help me get to that point right um that's the part where i look at it, is like coaching yeah you can say well you know these players got to be accountable for themselves yes yes they do but it's a team and you need a coach to coach the team. Um, if, if people could, if people could all just go get the best out of themselves, then nobody would ever need a coach, right? You would never need a general. You'd never need a, a performance coach, a a fitness coach, a nutrition coach, whatever the case may be. Everybody needs a little something to help guide them, to help motivate them, to help call them out when they're not, um, doing their best, right? Also, Uh, you know, that third party perspective to see it objective, uh, you know, sort of objective view and see, you know, I see when you're trying to do this, you're doing actually this right here and here's how you can improve and there's that kind of thing, right? That is the coach's job. Now, I don't know. I'm not in practice every day. I'm not in the meeting rooms. I can't tell you exactly who's doing what or who's not doing a great job. It very well could be that the players are just not listening to these guys and, you know, they're If they brought Nick Saban in, they still wouldn't listen. It could be that. I doubt it, but it could be that. Um, It could be a message getting stale, right? It could be that the wrong guys are brought in, and, uh, you know, it could be just bad luck. I don't know. It could be any number of things. But the end result, as I said, is that we have an undisciplined team, unprepared team, and they're losing. That's the worst of it, Right. I could get by with even another nine-win season. And be like, well, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of feels weird to to just be unsatisfied with another nine-win season, but that's something there, right? Uh, you can kind of get used to that and appreciate that. But this, this is terrible. You watch North Texas play, you know that they're gonna be down fourteen. You know that the offense right now is gonna be terrible. Uh, with the occasional 75-yarder that more frustrates you than excites you because you're thinking, where was this before, right? Um, the quarterback play is going to be terrible. Um, you know, it's it's probably for the best that it's like 55% completion rating because that tells you everything you need to know, right? Half the time, it's terrible. Half the time, eh, well, it's all right. And it's roughly that. Half the games, you're going to see a quarterback, uh, you know, that could maybe lead the conference, uh, in passing, and another time, you, you see a guy that uh, maybe should go back and play some baseball or something. Uh, again, is that all on Ani? I don't know. He's firing some passes that are not anywhere close to the target. When he has a little rhythm, he looks really good, and you can see why they want him out there. He has the mobility. He can uh, laser it in there. He can have a little touch throwing the ball deep, but he's not getting that rhythm, right? And, you know, I, I think we've, we've said this on Twitter, uh, me and a few other people, like, well, what are the things to get him into rhythm? Uh, maybe just the easiest pass, right? Just a little quick out, a little slant, a little uh, swing um, to the running back, a little scream, something to just get the ball out where he can make an easy read and an easy completion. It doesn't need to be, you know, 15 yards down the field, uh, and, and I wonder if some of these uh, run-pass options are too much to get into rhythm right away with, right, you have to read the, the, um, the conflict player, and then you have to make the throw, and that may be two steps too far, and what we need is just the one step, right, uh, snap the ball, easy throw, you know, get two yards, get him into rhythm, and if we're gonna go three and out in that one, that's fine, but now we know we have a quarterback in rhythm and we can throw the ball a little bit later. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Uh but that's the deal, is that like whatever's happening is not it's not happening. Uh Reuter's throwing the ball all over the field. Uh Ani not really ready to play. Maybe what we should do is just have the whoever the start is gonna be get ready and then right before, you know, it's time to, to take the first snap we sit them on the bench and bring the backup in. Because it might be that they're just thinking too much, too hyped to play the game. And the backup is uh is calm because they don't think they're going to play. And they get in, they're ready to prove a point. And they play so much better. Whoever's been uh, brought in in the second half or whatever it's been has played much better than the starter. And so maybe maybe it's just a mental thing. And again, it's that's coaching. That's, that's mental preparation. Um, and that's putting your guys in a position to succeed all that to say we're in a bad spot right north texas is down to 1 and 5 on the season the offense is terrible let's you know let's let's look at some stats uh right now right meow and see exactly where we stand scoring offense we are 12th at 22 a game in against the conference, we are eleventh at fourteen point seven. Western Kentucky at forty four point five. And again, last year we were scoring thirty two points a game in those seven games. You know, where's all that gone? Well we can't run the ball worth of nothing anymore. We don't have a Jason Bean that could take it to the house from anywhere. Uh we don't have a Jalen Darden in the past game where you could just toss it to him, let him go. Uh go score. Uh, in that that's scoring offense, right? Just total yards. Uh, wrong, wrong button. Uh, we are at tenth, 199. Uh, I said total offense, but I meant passing offense. We are at 199.3 yards per game. Last year, we were first in the in the in the in the league at 283 per game. Right now, Western Kentucky at 447 against conference. North Texas at 108. In three games. 108 yards per game in three games. Worse than Rice. Uh, And, you know, by 12 yards or whatever it is. at 13 yards. They're at 121 a game. We're at 108. And mind you, Rice has been shut out twice. And they've been shut out, you know, just the other day. Uh, Western Kentucky, uh, 460 yards per game. They're just throwing a ball all over the place. Uh, They're amazing right now. In Mason Fines, you know, like 2017 season, we were throwing at 283 per game. In 2018, 301 per game. 2019, uh, 283 per game. 2020, 271. This year, all the way down to 108. It's awful quarterback play, and we're throwing the ball 34 times a game. It's not even like we're not throwing the ball. Rice, again, this is against conference throwing the ball 20 times a game. It's 19.5, right? UAB throwing the ball 19 times a game, 190 yards, right? We're uh, Rice at 121. We're throwing the ball 34 times a game. And uh, only managing 108 yards per attempt, as you might imagine, 3.2, the worst in the league. It's god-awful. It's terrible. And compared to 2016, the last time North Texas had a poor passing offense right? Mason Vines, freshman year, we threw the ball 36 times a game, thereabouts, uh, 6.2 yards per attempt. In 2015, North Texas had a terrible offense, 5.3 yards per attempt. 2014, uh, again, North Texas terrible offense, 6.3 yards per attempt. Under 200 yards per game, sure, but we're throwing the ball 30 times a game uh, getting 6.3 yards per attempt. One more time, this year, and this is all in conference, in three games in conference, which is a good number, um, North Texas throwing the ball 34 times a game, 3.2 yards per attempt. Um, I mean, they're just, just... terrible let's look at the nation passing offense uh, yards per attempt I bet we're like the worst in the nation just given what we just said no we're not worse in the nation we're 122nd overall 5.7 is where we're at yards per attempt the worst in the nation is terrible Connecticut uh, Illinois Georgia Southern New Mexico Vanderbilt Indiana Clemson Old Dominion which hasn't played in a couple years And then us, North Texas, 5.7. This is uh, just overall, you know, against conference. And now this is kind of unusual because this is for everybody altogether. Uh, Yeah, we're last, 3.2 yards per attempt. So um, we have the worst passing attack in the nation. That's what you can uh, look forward to going out there all the time. Let's just look at total offense. Again, North Texas is 6th, 4.15 a game just because we run the ball fairly well. But against conference, we drop all the way to eleventh, um, and yards per play three point nine eight. And again, a good portion of that is because we can't throw the ball. Um, you know, we can run the ball well, averaging two sixteen a game, but that's about it. And again, did you if you looked at last week's game or this week's game, right against Marshall, were you thinking, wow, we really ran the ball well? We're amazing. That was great. Um, I mean, Iowa a- 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 Adele did a good job, but it was all garbage time stuff, right? It's like what we said. Nothing when it matters. Again, 213 yards per game. Uh, If you're running that well, your yards per attempt should be high because you should be forcing the defense to account for your run and then chucking the ball deep, right? Getting some play action passes. That's the plan. That's what we're wanting to do. But we're not completing anything. Uh, and, you know, whatever. It's a combination of the receivers not being injured, not being ready. Um, you know, it's definitely the quarterback play. Uh, you're not even getting it close to him. The line play, not blocking it up right, and uh, also firing the ball over guys' heads. Uh, it's just a terrible option for North Texas right now to throw the ball. That's, that's what's up. I wish that North Texas just had a running quarterback, the little Jason Bean back there or something. Where they just say, you know what, we're just going to option this this thing. We're just going to run the ball all the time. Uh, 75 runs in this game. And really go all out. Because that seems like the only way to make anything happen. Uh, right now, it looks bleak. I don't know. I don't know that Seth is going to get fired. I, you know what I did see today? That uh, Ed Orgeron just got, uh, he got, a, well, he took a buyout uh to leave LSU and you want a you want a national championship there right uh it can happen <laughs> you can succeed and then you can also fail at the same place within the same timeline i don't think uh i, I don't know that shows uh, the the head coach for the for this team any longer unless we get some drastic changes like um he reconfigures the offense and says you know we're going to go back to what was successful what I know how to teach a little bit more the classic air raid, not because it's better, but because maybe he just knows how to teach it a little bit better than what we have here. Maybe he can find some quarterbacks that can that can excel in that offense a little bit better. I don't know. Whatever the case may be. Uh and I also don't know what what replacement is out there that's gonna make a whole lot of sense. Um, in terms of in terms of offensive guys I mean, you can take your pick right now. There's a lot of dudes out there. I don't know that any of them have been a, a head coach. One guy that I found interesting was down in San Antonio at Incarnate Word. You know, we saw him. He was uh, he turned Incarnate Word around. They were they were scoring a lot of points. They scored against North Texas. Uh, he has a Texas Tech background, former receiver there. We interviewed him on Mingrui Nation before. Um, that might be interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, he's looking to, to move up. He had some success at an FCS level. Uh, he knows how to, you know, get points on the board, that sort of thing, you know. Um, you know, I, I think that's interesting. But there's there's a ton of guys out there. I don't think that you want to go say, well, let's, let's switch it over and find a defensive head, head coach right now because there's not really one of those out there. Like, defense is not super um, – it's not really the thing right now. And there's a lot of guys that can coach offense. Uh, what you mostly need is uh, – is a a coach that that can manage a, a program? You know, North Texas is entering an era where uh, they've they have a lot of the foundation there already. They need somebody to take them to the next level. Um, and what I mean is that maybe a little bit more personable guy, right? That's gonna go shake some hands, um, <laughs> be a little friendly. Uh, you know, get some donations, make some friends. Make people excited to see North Texas play for reasons other than I don't know, maybe some offense, right? I don't I don't know what made North Texas appealing under Seth Luttrell, other than the Mason Fiennes story, some wins, some good wins there, the win over Arkansas that was nice, some things like that. But I um, know I wonder if you look at some of the coaches being hired away, weren't just like wow they did a great job, but also. They were like yeah i'm not I'm not excited to work here anymore. that kind of thing. I don't know, I don't know i'm I'm speculating late on this podcast right now, so you know this is what happens when you're not winning. You start throwing things at the wall like I don't know maybe maybe he's mean to the coaches. I don't know um, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna end this show just about right now. uh, do not forget to subscribe uh leave a rating on iTunes or whatever." format that you're listening to uh this show and i think I so you can ask say hey amazon device uh play the mean green nation podcast i think it will play it for you i'm pretty sure i listen to it on like uh on pocket cast when so i check it for quality uh tell your friends tell your family uh let them know that we do the mean green nation podcast every saturday sunday sorry every sunday uh, roughly, uh, after the game. And then during the basketball season, we try to do it, like, because basketball goes, like, Thursday, Saturday, right? So we try to do it Sunday also to kind of do a recap of the week. Um, You know, that... We'll try to get good guests on here the way we've been doing uh, when basketball finds a, a little bit more of a regular rhythm. Uh, the, the non-conference season is a little bit more scattershot, so it's kind of hard to find a, a good point to podcast, uh, because sometimes you're like right during a game, like the game's tonight or something like that, Um, so just keep an eye out, mostly, it'll be a little scattershot, but once the conference season starts, like in January, it'll be a little bit more um, regular, you know, and I'm looking forward to it, we'll talk a little basketball right now, Um, they're not picked high, they're not really picked to repeat, West Kentucky's uh, talented again, they got a lot of talent over there. Uh, UAB is going to be good, they were tough Andy Kennedy, their coach there Has them ready to play, you saw how tough they were For North Texas to break down That little zone defense, they sat back Everybody's long, break up passes in the paint uh, You know, Grant McGaslin Has to find another guy after um, I just can't think of his name right now uh, JV on Hamlet um, Yeah, and I, I have confidence in them. I have confidence in the staff They know. They know the kind of player they want um, you know, they, they lost Ryan Woolridge to transfer. He went to Gonzaga. And I was wondering, like, who's going to replace Ryan Woolridge there? Because he did so much for the team. He was able to get into the paint, uh, create for others. Uh, he didn't have a great outside shot. That was his weakness, but he was a really good player. And, you know, they found Hamlet, a guy that relatively undersized, uh, but could handle the ball, wanted the, wanted the job, wanted the pressure, wanted the big moments, And led North Texas to two championships, right? A regular season championship and then a conference title, which everybody appreciated more, and a tournament win. Basically, all you can ask for as a North Texas fan. First NCAA tournament win, um, you know, got what I think a lot of basketball fans of my cohort feel like they remember a lot of Johnny Jones era teams and they, they feel like we can win league titles and we can do it regularly. And, you know, we need to be in that conversation. We need to be, when people think of Conference USA, they should think, oh yeah, North Texas. They're always going to be tough. They're always going to be good. They're going to be around that conference tournament. And, um, you know, having won it, like, you know, applying the same kind of logic, a couple back-to-back season, back-to-back title winning teams, this is sort of like a retool, rebuilding year. I'm fine with that. Um, You know, if they get into the conversation, like top four, maybe get a bye. I think you can call that a successful season. Are they competing, right? You know, they're not going to get blown out the water. uh, But, you know, if you're like, you know what, in the right circumstance, they can get an upset win over a top-tier team, you know, and they compete in that game, I think you'd be fine with it. I don't really see championship or bust here. But I think, as you know, obviously as a coach, you're going to have your players playing with that mentality. Every year you want to win every year you want them to compete like they can win so that way they're ready to win so they're not when the moment comes and it's time to win a championship and they got to go execute they're not like well you know I didn't really think I was going to be here but they're like no no i'm ready because i've envisioned this because we practiced for this we played and we we competed and we practiced and prepared like we were going to win a title and um uh, i mean the evidence is is there that the McGr- uh, grant grant mcaskellin Gets his guys to do that kind of thing, right? Last year, uh, they hit clutch shots when they needed to against a you know, superior, talented team in Western Kentucky. They executed. They defended well. Uh, all those things, it makes you love a basketball team, right? They um, was it, a dude who's, like, challenging shots at the rim, getting on the other end, scoring uh, buckets, taking shots, even though he was breaking everything. I'm forgetting everybody's name now. This context switching is, does not become me right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we're officially done with the Mean Green Nation, uh, Mean Green Nation podcast. Jeez, you see this, guys? You see this, ladies? I need a coach. I need a coach. Um, all right, we're done. Thanks for listening. Go Mean Green.